As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Whether you're laughing together or you're crying together or you're, or, or you're, or you're in suspense together, it, it, there's something about that you're, you're in your cocoon, yet you're experiencing something in parallel with other people, and then now you leave and then you talk about it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know of an, I, home is not like that. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. Lights, camera, Marcus. It's the name that's synonymous with the movies in Milwaukee, and the man carrying on the family legacy is Greg Marcus. He took over daily operations of the Marcus Corporation a decade ago and has expanded the company to the fourth largest group of theaters in the United States. We caught up a few months ago when a little movie called Avengers Endgame was still in theaters to discuss how they've changed with the times in an age when streaming at home is so prevalent and the similarities and differences between the theater and hotel sides of the company. Plus, we share some of his favorite films and actors of all time, and why he still plays piano for the public every Tuesday. We'll also have the Fox six-pack of questions with investigator Amanda St. Hilaire, but first, it's showtime with Greg Marcus. We are here at the headquarters of the Marcus Corporation. Greg Marcus, thank you very much for doing this with us. Absolutely, happy to. I have a lot of questions uh, to get to about kind of the business, some of the, the origins and the changing movie industry as well, but I'd love to just start out with you as a, a movie fan yourself, a movie lover, like so many of your customers are when they go to your theaters. Do you remember, because I'm sure it wasn't hard to get a ticket growing up uh, in the family that you did, but do you remember some of your first trips to the movies or what it was about that experience that just kind of captured you as a, as a child? Oh man, my well, I mean, even but my first trips to the movies. It is interesting. It is a business that you can understand that your family's in, you know, as opposed to like the hotel business. Sure. That's that's a little more complicated. Oh, we're in this business with the movies. And I'm pointing into the sky like you could actually see right. right now. <laughs> I guess hand gestures will not be they visible don't exactly on the podcast. Come through on podcast um, form, yeah. The uh, <laughs> the uh, uh the, 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 we used to have. I remember as a kid, you know, we had a screening room, and that not not our house or anything, but yeah. where because you have as part of the business, you need to see the movies before sure. you play you them. Know what you're putting out. And there. so they would use that for our birthday parties, and we would have. I we watched The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, which is a Don Knotts movie, <laughs> uh, pretty much every year until I was probably at least 25. No, it wasn't. Nice. 25, but it was. <laughs> but as a little kid, and they'd bring popcorn in a garbage bag, and we'd all sit there and eat popcorn and watch a movie, and. And so, I mean, I don't remember not going to the movies. I don't yeah. remember the movies not being a part of, of, of what I did. And it was just, it was our business. Um, 
How about yourself uh, these days? How often do you actually get to go see the movies? I'm sure, again, there's still the screenings. There's things that you're Actually, you know what? Do, I never go to screenings. Good. All I right. Never I like that. <laughs> you know, it's, first of all, they're midday. Yeah. And, uh, and so I actually have to work. <laughs> and so they're, uh, they're, I'm doing podcasts all over there the you place. Go. You got a lot of obligations. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, I, you know, so I don't really. And also, I like to go to the movies. I don't, I don't really ever watch movies at home. Hmm. I don't have a home theater. Hmm. Uh, I, uh, I, I, I like the experience of going out. So I try to go at least once a week. I don't get every week, you know, the, but, but sort of the goal is my wife and I have a date night yeah. and, we, uh, and we go out to the, and we, we, we go, you know, we go to see yeah. the, uh, go see the movies. So. What's the, uh, the favorite thing you've seen recently? Uh, what did I see recently that I really like? Oh, I, you know what? I really like Shazam. All right, I you haven't know, seen that one yet. But I, someone things. said my tastes are relatively pedestrian, <laughs> and yet my two most the two that I've liked the most are very opposite. And I actually posted on my Twitter account yeah. on the other one. Uh, actually, I posted for both of them. My Twitter handle, Greg Loves Movies. Yes. Yeah, that's a big shocker, right? Um, I posted about Apollo 11. So here I'm telling mm. you, on the one hand, you know, this documentary about, you know, about the, the, the first man's first steps in the moon right. uh, as compared to Shazam, this, this <laughs> film. But they were both good for different reasons. Apollo 11 was really interesting. It was funny. We weren't going to, it was a date night thing, actually. We, weren't, we, we didn't go see it. We had a choice to see it. We didn't go see it the first time, the first week that it was out in our theaters. And we walked into Zafiro, sorry, one of our restaurants yeah. and attached to the North Shore Theater, and we said, we saw a couple sitting there, my wife and I, it was a Wednesday night, it was pretty quiet, and, uh, and, and we saw this couple, and this couple said, um, and we said, well, what did you see? We didn't even know them, but they were, they, you know, I'm not exactly unrecognizable, especially in the movie theater. <laughs> so, uh, I, there, you know, we saw a couple that said, oh, we, what, what did you see? And they said, oh, we saw Apollo 11. And we're like, oh, you know, we saw First Man. And they're like, oh, no, this is different. You should wow, see it. Wow, okay. And they were right. This was really, it was interesting, as it basically was a compilation of all the archival footage they took of the mission. Hmm. And... It was incredible. I mean, the government must have known, obviously, that 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 that, that recording what they were doing was would was be important. important. Yeah. And I think someone later told me that they gave. I could be wrong about this, but that they gave Technicolor the the concession to yeah. to film it. The video, the, the film, was unreal. And then you got to re- never got a sense for how complicated the mission was until yeah. I watched this documentary. It was. It, and the detail was so good. In fact, they sent me a picture afterwards, Neon, the, the distributor, because I posted how much I liked it. And they were like, they were like, they called our booking <laughs> department. They're like, it looks like uh, Greg Marcus really likes that movie. You might want to keep in the theaters a little longer. And uh, they sent a picture of where the flag was planted. And and I, I, I don't know if it was Neil Armstrong or who I was sitting, was standing next to the flag. The the interesting the detail that I had noticed when I even saw the movie was that there was a horizontal rod coming mm. off the flagpole running across the top of the flag. Why is that? Because they needed something to keep the flag up in zero gravity. It would have just yeah. been a sort of a big fail. It would have fallen sure. down. And when I was watching the movie, I remember thinking, I'm going, wow, what an amazingly detailed shot yeah. of, the moon, of the flag on the moon. And I can see the rod. And I'm like, man. And I understood, like, oh, yeah, now I know why they did it. So it was really, it was incredibly good. So, so on the one hand, I'm telling you, this documentary is fantastic. And on the other hand, Shazam, and what I liked about Shazam was, you know, it was, it was reminiscent of the movie Big, if you saw the yep. movie Big. And, and in fact, there was a little homage to Big <laughs> in Shazam. If you can picture that going on, and all I would tell you is that it was a scene where there was a piano on the floor. All right. And, 
There was, and so it was clear that I wasn't reading too much yeah. into this as I was watching it. Again, this reminds me of Big. They knew what they were going. <laughs> Excuse yeah. me. And the, it was uh, the so so yeah. They, they I was not so was, so that was really good. And yeah. I, you know, I, I'm looking. I haven't seen Avengers yet. Ooh, I, one I'm of the looking, few people in the I'm country the, that is not. Yeah, well, because I let the, I wanted all the you know. I, a little secret I don't pay. So <laughs> let's let the paying customers get in first yep. and go see it. And yep. I'm trying very carefully not to read any spoilers. <laughs> I do not know what happened, so uh, don't tell me anything. Well, I saw it in Marcus Theater. I'll tell okay. you, you're in for a treat. And that's Everyone all I'll says leave it's it really at. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, yeah. I'm, I'm psyched to see it. For me, and I don't think this gives anything away, but it's an amazing almost celebration of the achievement that they were able to pull off tying... 10 years and 20 plus movies together and I'm, I'm sure for you guys on the business side that's been that's been a boon as well but We're okay just to have that. these events coming uh, for so long and, and to finish it all out was pretty spectacular as well but I won't go too far because I don't want to give you. anything away I appreciate that what is it maybe we could just kind of talk around that what is it about seeing something in a theater you said you, you don't really watch much at home that is just so different that, that visceral experience of seeing something on the big screen hearing that quality audio it is it's a combination of things. I think it's a very unique experience. So first of all, you know, it has to be, I always talk about how it, ha it has to be at a level good enough to motivate you to get off your couch. Hmm. You know, think about, I don't know, let's see, what did they motivate? 36 million people or probably 30 million people to get off their sofas this weekend? <laughs> yeah. Think about the, how hard it is to do that. So the idea that you that you committed enough to get up and go out. You weren't just, you know, it's very easy to lay at home and lay on the sofa and grab your remote and flip through what's on. You don't have to make an effort. There's yeah. no commitment to that. When you have to get up and get out, you're making a commitment. And now you get there. And, all, and, and in a funny way, it's a, I don't know how to describe it. There must be some word for it. But where you, you're in your own little cocoon. You don't talk to the person next to you. Yet you're having this communal experience with everyone together. Whether you're laughing together, or you're crying together, or you're, or, or you're, or you're in suspense together, it, it, there's something about that. You're you're in your cocoon, yet you're experiencing something in parallel with other people. And then now you leave, and then you talk about it. Yeah. I don't I don't know of an, I, home is not like that. The phone rings, the dogs are barking, things are happening. You don't get that unless you isolate yourself, yeah. and then and, and you probably aren't inviting lots of people over generally. So, it's a very isolated experience. It's just it's just different. One's not you know better or worse. Well, actually, I have a preference, <laughs> but 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 they're different experiences, and that's why I like to go to the movies. And I like to just sit there and and be immersed in the yeah. in the big screen. It's immersive. It can be immersive, and the sound and. Everything can kind of fan. fall away for, yeah. uh, for a period of time there. So, uh, that leads pretty well into a conversation to the business side of things as well and how you guys continue to make it such an event and such an experience for your customers. I, I've certainly noticed in the last few years the rise of, of the Beastorplex, the transition to the Dream Loungers throughout all the theaters. What did you guys maybe target as a company years ago to kind of see how things were shifting and then say, okay, we have to start adapting to continue to be a destination for people. Yeah, you look, at you hit it on the head. You, you have to give people a reason to get off that couch, yeah. right? I mean, you know, you have to keep reinvesting and reinventing. To that end, a lot of the things you're seeing now, the recliners, not so much because they came along at a different time, yeah. but the food and beverage, which is, so there's been probably yeah. two key movements going on in the business, food and beverage, broadening of the food and beverage offering and the recliners. The broadening of the food and beverage was something 
because you know if you think about the history of our company, we're, we have we have a heavy food and beverage component. At one point, we had restaurants, we had the big boy restaurants, uh, we had Kentucky Fried Chickens. They were the biggest part of our business, so we always had this food and beverage bent. In the full service hotels, we have, must have forty full service restaurants and bars, and so we are th- we are, we have that sort of outlook now. We sat around about 12 years ago and said, well, where's the theater business going? And I think we were maybe hearing some rumblings, food and beverage and maybe becoming more important. And that's when we built the Majestic of Brookfield. And we wanted that to be basically our, our R&D lab. And that's where we got the idea of, of putting in Zafiro's Pizza. And we had, first we had, we had the ice cream, the chocolate shop ice cream on the other side of Zafiro's Pizza. We've since morphed around. We didn't have to take five lounges okay. at that point. Um, but we had the in-theater dining with what was, it's had three different names to talk about what an R&D facility. It hasn't really changed what it does, but first it was the Palladium, and then it became Cinedine, and now it's Big Screen Bistro, yeah. which is what we have in a number of our theaters where we mix traditional with food and beverage delivered to the seat as opposed to, um, like now we have Bistroplex and sure. Movie Tavern, which are similar in nature, but more dedicated facilities. This is where it's a piece of a facility. So we have a bistro, big screen bistro in Madison at the Palace, and uh, we have them in, throughout the Midwest yeah. in, our, in, our other, in other theaters. But that, that idea of, start, of, of, of saying, what should it be? What should the theater be of tomorrow? Well, we started that a long time ago. And then about seven years ago, we had heard about this uh, this movement to recliners, we went and checked it out, and we were like, oh yeah, this looks important. And we jumped on it very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and then Rolanda Rodriguez, who runs our theater business, he came in and said, okay, you've been percolating these, these food and beverage concepts and the Take Five lounges, and now the recliners are coming on. It's time to really, let's, let's roll this out very aggressively. Yeah. And so he then took it to the next level and took what we've been working on. The food and beverage, I think, is particularly interesting, and maybe because you guys did have a leg up from the hotel side of things, but it has to be good food as well. It can't be just kind of generic, almost fast food type thing. It has to be quality where people are swapping out the dinner and a movie night to just going to the movie theater for both of that. Well, I would tell you that we absolutely agree with you. I'm not sure that every theater operator embraces it like we do. I will tell you, I do think that our food is the best in the business. Uh, Look, we're, we're not, we aren't trying to emulate fine dining. Right. But we want to have great pizza. And so that's why we took Zafiros. It's the best pizza in town. Yeah. And so recreating Zafiros, we thought was important. So our pizza is better than anybody's pizza. The real sizzle burger that, that, that we created, that we think is a great hamburger. We said, look, at, let's, if we're going to have food, let's have it be great. Because a lot of people are just like, well, you know what? They're here for the movie. Right. We, can, we can pretty much serve them whatever we want to serve them. <laughs> and we said, no, let's also make it good. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think it was great, actually. For you, uh, as president and CEO of the business, um, it is the hotel and resort side as well as the theaters. How different is managing those operations, or are the business points, the the kind of leadership skills, do those translate pretty easily between the two endeavors? Uh, Leadership skills are relatively similar, but they are different businesses. There's commonalities. Uh, On the one hand, you know, uh, we have uh, it's we are people businesses. You know, it's about people. It's about we talk about, uh, you know, someone's someone's uh, our ordinary day is somebody's extraordinary day. And we talk about that really applies to both businesses. They're service businesses, heavy real estate components. They both have heavy real estate components. 
So that's the point of overlap. Um, hospitality, point, those are the points of overlap. The, the other, the, but they're very different in a lot of ways as well. You know, um, the hotels tend to be larger investments. And so what happens is, is that the way we organize a theater business, you know, it's a very centralized management structure. And then they really, you know, start to, to uh, set the policy and how they operate, and it flows down to the theaters. And the, and the theaters are smaller, and so, uh, you know, the, 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 as opposed to the hotels, where we have these big, very yeah. good-sized boxes, the management teams, they, they then have their own management teams that need a level of sophistication appropriate to that kind of box. Mm. And so uh, there's less, it's less centralized. It's more, uh, we have a, obviously have centralized management, but there's more, it's more like I call it a, uh, you know, a, a federation of states yeah. <laughs> as it, with, with, the, uh, with, the, with the hotels because of that, the nature of the management teams that you need. Because a hotel, I mean, very complex operations. I mean, theaters are complicated. Theaters used to be much less complicated. <laughs> Before food and beverage, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, my joke was, you know, there wasn't enough, you know, uh, 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 you know, zit cream in the employee changing room was our biggest problem, right? right? It was just a bunch of young kids who were working in the movie theaters, and uh, and so that was our biggest HR issue. And the, the compared now, now that we've added food and beverage, we've we've yeah, that complexity has things, gotten yeah. higher. But still, hotels where you have, you know, I mean, you've got you've got an employee base that can have a, a very wide range from, you know. Immigrants cleaning, you know, doing housekeeping work. First, you know, first generation immigrants. You know, you've got fresh faced kids running your front desk. You've got sophisticated salespeople trying to sell for the operation. You've got, uh, you know, any of a number of that sort of a panoply of 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 people who are working in the business. And then, you know, these are all, you know, a hotel manager has to get up every day and think about, okay, is my banquet space full? Are my restaurants going to be busy tonight? Yeah. What's going on in my rooms? Are the rooms being cleaned? Are they being turned over? Because I got new guests coming in. I mean, it's a, it is a, it's a complicated yeah. operation. So that requires then you have to let those management teams run those hotels. Yeah. It's, it becomes a little different approach. You guys have a very, uh, perhaps even more complicated hotel opening pretty soon in June with the St. Kate. Not only a hotel, not only food and restaurants involved there, but also an entire arts component to it, and that's really the focus of the hotel. Do you mind telling us uh, why that was such an enticing or exciting endeavor to try to combine museum quality art and this whole experience into uh, a place where people can stay, or if they're not staying, they can still come and, and visit and explore in that space. And eat and drink. And eat and drink. Yeah, you don't have to stay there to eat and drink there. Um, you know, the, uh, there's, it, there's been a few things. I would tell you that it is a un it's going to be unique yeah. in that what nobody has tried before is the mixture of the visual arts and the performing arts. Hmm. Uh, that and, and we're not even 100% sure exactly how that's all yeah. going to even, we don't even know how it's all going to work So out. not just having galleries, having pieces in, in the hotel, but also having performance aspects, having yes. both theater, dance, things like that. That's exactly, we actually have a black box theater mm -hmm. in the hotel, and so, and not only will it be a black box theater, but we expect that you could be dining and someone could start singing, <laughs> you know? You could be sitting in the bar and all of a sudden you're going to hear somebody reciting a monologue, or you'll hear, maybe one night you'll hear a string quartet, maybe one night you'll hear jazz music, maybe mm -hmm. one night you'll hear folk music. I mean, there, there's going to be a whole variety of different forms of performance going on at the place in addition to the visual arts. The visual arts model exists. Yeah. You know, we've seen it, we've been watching it, and it really starts at its roots. 
experiential travel has really become very important. That, there's, that's been a trend in the lodging industry to have experiential travel. People don't just want to go and stay somewhere, they want to have an experience. And I think that's what led to the art hotel idea. Yeah. And so we've been, we've been watching that. And then we understand, I think, that here at this company, and it starts really with me with my father, this idea of the intersection of arts and business. You know, you can, uh, they, they can work together. It, you, can, you can benefit the arts community by creating an enterprise that's profitable. Yeah. And so uh, if you think about Sculpture Milwaukee, my dad's yeah. big project now. I mean, the roots of it were, my dad said, how do I get people to walk down Wisconsin <laughs> Avenue? Because Wisconsin Avenue needs pedestrians, yeah. it needs customers. We've got a lot of empty storefronts on Wisconsin Avenue. And my dad said, well, if I create a sculpture garden, I'll do that. Yeah. Now, he has a history of understanding the intersection of arts and commerce. He, had, he was running the, the marketing committee for Mecca, the predecessor yeah. of the Wisconsin Center, and the arena, and, and Pfizer Forum, actually, sure. go back for enough. And he had this idea that, gee, you know, he'd heard that they needed to repaint the basketball floor. This was in the 70s. And he said, you know, if I can get a world-class artist <laughs> to repaint the basketball floor, I will... I'll be able to, we'll get national attention. Yeah. And I'm in the marketing committee. I'm supposed to get us national attention. Yeah. And so they, when he went to a friend who was an art dealer, I said, who should we get? And she said, there's this very hot artist named Robert Indiana who had created the love sculpture, the L, the cocked yeah. O over the V. Now we have it here. We was part of Sculpture Milwaukee yeah. last year. Um, and they commissioned Robert Indiana to do the basketball floor. And it was a huge success. It was a, every t we were on national television. Everybody was <laughs> yeah. talking about us. It certainly sticks ass. <laughs> yeah, and so, and it was viewed as a very yeah. serious piece of art. And so my dad understood that. And look, we're in the movie business. The movie business is, a, is an art form. Yeah. Movies Visual are art. Reading. And so, uh, some a little more artistic than others. But <laughs> people would say, "Well, Shazam, that wasn't art." But I actually would say it was. Uh, and artists pay homage to other artists, and right. there was an homage. So if you got an homage, that makes you art, right? It must be. So. Uh, it was, um, it, 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 so, so I think that's what led us to say, you know, this is, I, you know, this is interesting to us. My wife's an artist. We, we have, uh, you know, there's a lot of art sort of running through the whole company. Sure. Yeah. So, um, since you mentioned Pfizer Forum, I was going to ask you about the DNC coming to town too. That was kind of the crown jewel to help land the, the convention coming here. However, somebody leans politically, no matter which side of the aisle, what are your hopes for the impact this can have on Milwaukee and what landing that convention can mean going forward for the city once once it leaves. You know, I think it's just it's another uh, it, it's it's a good housekeeping seal of approval yeah. for us moving Milwaukee up to the next level in the world's eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always said I want Milwaukee to be viewed like a Portland or an Austin. You know, yeah. a, a really cool town on the rise yeah. and. Uh, because we have this tremendous arts community, we have great, you know, sports teams. We have great. We've made all those investments. Um, I mean, what are the odds that sitting in the Pfizer Forum the other day was the uh, National League MVP, <laughs> yep. the potential uh, NBA MVP, and the f MVP from the, f from the National Football yep. League all sitting in the same building, all playing for Wisconsin teams? How the, the benefits to that? And again, these are all these, how does Milwaukee and Wisconsin get viewed as major league? A place you want to come, a place you want to, that must, something must be going on. Yeah. Well, you have to make these investments. The DNC, in a way, is an investment. You know, getting them to come here. We're all investing a lot of time, 
um, you know, we have committed our entire city to them. And I, my hope is that then, you know, you that people start saying well, that the, the long-term impact, I mean, the short-term impact actually in that week is going to be very good. Sure. Obviously, it's yeah. financially very good for a lot of yeah, the businesses. Tens of thousands here. of people coming here. But, you know, the town is really going to be locked up pretty tight for the number right. of weeks before and after. And so economically, it's a positive. But I think the bigger positive, the bigger, because one-time positives don't do you any good. I mean, they don't hurt. Don't right. get me wrong. I'm not <laughs> complaining. But but if you can make it a long-term positive, that's much more beneficial. And if somebody says, I want to live in Milwaukee because, wow, there's so much good stuff going. Because, by the way, they have DNC, and they've got Major League Sports teams, and, oh, yeah, the Ryder Cup is going to be just yep. up the street, and they just had the U.S. Open. You know, so much interesting stuff is happening here. Uh, and they've got this really cool arts hotel. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Definitely want to stay there. <laughs> that all these things come together yeah. that, that make it a, a place you want to be. They're to bring your company, to bring your residents, to come visit. Yeah. That's a long-term benefit. And the, to me, the DNC is is part of that. For me, I, I feel very lucky. I moved here uh, almost about three years ago now for the job, but ever since then I've been like, this town's amazing. I keep telling yeah. all my friends how great it is and they need to come visit. So Yeah, it's a it's really, really interesting. It has, it's funny, it's been that, and it's a very interesting conundrum, right? <laughs> so one of the things that makes Milwaukee great is that it's the people, yeah. right? It is about the people, and it's, it's a humble people. And they always say, we've got this complex, we don't like to talk about ourselves. Well, we're just, it's relatively a humble yeah. town. If we like to talk about ourselves, we would lose that thing where we're humble. And so how do you find the right, we can, but you can be too much of anything, right? right. You know? Yeah. Uh, so so it's, it, 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 it's, it's important for us to try to remember our roots, but still to be a little bit more, uh, yeah, and, little and bit. talk yeah. and be a little bit more self-promoting and talk yeah. about what a great place this is. Yeah. Uh, I'll finish up with a couple of quick hitters, if you don't mind. Um, you mentioned how important the arts are to your father, your wife. I know for you as well, you're, you're a talented pianist. Do you still play on a regular basis? I play in front of audiences at a certain <laughs> restaurant in town. <laughs> I, I, I do. I actually I play in blue yeah. every Tuesday uh, from 5:30 to 7:30. What is that like for you? Why why do you continue to do that? Is it an outlet? You just love that stage. You love that that scene. What is it like for you? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just fun. I yeah. mean, I, I mean, it's not. Look, I'm not playing for like I'm playing for basically, you know, inebriated people. <laughs> it's a smart starting point for yeah. you before the, you get the, to Carnegie Hall. The old saying is, you know, the, the, the drunker you are, the better I sound. The uh, certainly true about my karaoke games. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I, I I play once a month in Mason Street. With the group down yeah. there, uh, but every the fun thing about about Blue on Tuesdays is about half the nights it's a fundraiser, and we've raised over the last couple of years a couple hundred thousand dollars wow. for charity because what we did was what happened the way it all started was we went up there to start I, start, I needed practice we were going to play at Jazz in the Park and the guys who I played with this is about five six years ago yeah. said you know if you're going to do this we want you to play out more and we found we were having such a good time we're like how do we keep doing this because there's not a real good reason for <laughs> yeah. us to be up here without this upcoming gig and for we did it for eight weeks and we're like well you know if we get people in the bar well that would give them there a reason go. to you know they, to, to for me to be here and the bass player's professional to pay the bass player so <laughs> we uh Someone said, you know what, let's, let's, if we had Blue Tender, which was this thing we were doing which didn't have much traction, which was if you're a company and you want to raise money for something, you can send your executives in to be the Blue Tender nice. slash bartender. And then 10% of what you sell and then any tips you get go to, go to, go to the charity sure. of your choice. And, they, and they, said, they said, if we could mix Blue Tender with you, 
me, Greg, and uh, and and we maybe we'd have maybe people, we could do that as it turns out. So I'm the free entertainment on Tuesday nights, <laughs> and half the, and and then the people come in and they and and they use the bar and yeah. so it's and, and when now when they do it, it the bar gets very busy and so we're able to you know raise money for charity and pay the band and blues busy and I was like every, every deal I worked out that that worked out <laughs> yeah, that well, that pretty well I would I would keep doing it so it's one of my favorite nuggets about you just that there is a you know CEO of one of the biggest companies in town just casually playing piano on Tuesday night it's great yeah the freakout fact used to be really good I'm for the sure. staff you know the staff at first is like what who, who they better applaud loudly right yeah exactly <laughs> but now they're just they're actually they're like they're just used yeah. to it and so yeah. and for me it's just I it's fun to go down. I like to play, and I like to play out, and we have fun doing it. So I'll circle uh, back around like we started with the movies just to end up. Uh, I'm curious, uh, some of your favorites, and I'll break it down into a few categories. So movies yeah, in general. Thank you, because <laughs> I, I have lots of favorites. Comedy, drama, and musical, if you have uh, one for each of those, or, or even a handful, since you think about it. So uh, well, comedy, um, Animal House, yep. uh, was, was always my favorite movie. I've seen it a million times. I could go front end. Although, Blazing Saddles is almost a close high. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and, if, and then uh, for drama, North by Northwest. Oh, that's one of my favorites, has yeah. Has always been, uh, has been one of my favorites. It's, 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 it is my favorite, yeah, it's always been, I love that movie. Yeah. And then, um, musical, what would probably be my favorite musical? Um, I loved Chicago. Uh, it could be Grease from when I was a kid. I mean, I just saw that movie a bunch of times yeah. and, and knew that totally backward and forward. Um, you know, the maybe I don't know the Sound of Music. It's <laughs> yeah, a pretty <laughs> solid one. Uh, I'll break it down for uh, some of the the individual categories as well. So, uh, actor, actress, and director as well for you. Actor, actress, and director. Um, Director. Let's do director first. That's probably my easiest. Okay. Uh, I'm a big Chris Nolan fan. Ah, you know? nice. I do. I mean, I love Spielberg. You can't not love Spielberg. Uh, I love J.J. Abrams and a lot of the stuff yeah. he's done. But Chris, Christopher Nolan's made some really interesting movies. I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time is Memento. Mm, yeah. And uh, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever seen Memento. I haven't seen that one, but The Prestige is one of my favorites of his. Yeah. Well. There's so many that just make you think in a different way. Yeah. I mean, Memento. Memento was this movie that people saw it, and what they thought was that it was going backwards. Like right. It started. So, and apparently, I'm not the only one who did this, but the minute it came out on DVD, I actually did watch this one at home. I bought the DVD because I wanted to watch it in order. So, which meant huh. I thought watching it from the end to the beginning. Going, but yeah. as it turned out, I actually, as I started playing it, I figured it out. It's a movie that starts at the beginning and the end and meets in the middle, huh. which is really wild from a time, <laughs> oh, you know, a messing with time. He likes to mess yeah. with time. And, you know, Interstellar was that. And then, you know, in a way, messed with time a lot. And uh, I really respect him because so much these days is, is IP. Well, you know, what superhero yeah. can you do? And he obviously did Batman, but there's so many other of his creations that are just new ideas and fresh ideas that he's. But even think with. about how insane was the second Batman yeah. in the trilogy? I forgot which one that was. The title Dark of that Knight. one, Dark Knight. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that movie's intense. Yeah. It's nuts when you watch that. So uh, I would say that he's probably. Right now, nice. at, at this point, the guy, the guy who I think is—I mean, you gotta love Hitchcock. How do you not love Hitchcock? Right. If North by Northwest is—if <laughs> North by Northwest isn't your is your favorite movie, you gotta love. Sure, you gotta love what Hitchcock did. Um, actor and actress. Actor and actress. I mean, you know, uh, you know, I—I I guess, I—if I, I had to pick, so I'll tell you at the Tom Hanks hmm. at the end of Captain Phillips. 
Did you see that movie? Yeah. That scene where he, where it's it, funny. It, I actually just saw that like a couple weeks ago. It was on TV, and I turned it on at that scene that you're talking where about. Where he has that breakdown at the end. Yeah. After he gets rescued, it's like almost like it all washes over him, yeah. and he has the breakdown. You know, that was. That was yeah. pretty incredible. I mean, that I know that I remember. It's probably why I'm thinking about. Yeah. You know, I love Jack Nicholson. You know, great actor. Um, you know, Barney Rubble. What an actor. Okay, that's a reference to the Night Shift. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you ever saw the Michael Keaton movie Night Shift, where he's like Barney Rubble, what an actor. <laughs> so, there's my homage to to Night Shift and Michael Keaton. <laughs> Feed tuna mayonnaise. Um, <laughs> He's recording great business ideas. That was a, that was a fun little movie. Um, and then actress, uh, you know, who's my favorite actress? Oh man, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, you gotta love, you gotta love Meryl Streep. I yeah. mean, she's just she's just done so much and is so incredible in almost <laughs> everything she does. You know, how do you not say that she's just an incredible actress? Yeah. Uh, so if I had to pick, so I guess I'd be going with that one. Uh, this is a little bit off topic from the movies, but um, you've been obviously grow, grew up around this company. You've been part of this company and now running this company for so long. If this had not been what you ended up doing, what would you be doing instead, uh, you think? Well, I would be making movies because okay. I actually, I went, to, I went to college for undergraduate in accounting and then I got a law degree after that. Yeah. And then I went to the USC film school, hmm. which I dropped out of film school. And I was... A lot uh, of famous uh, <laughs> yeah. people in Hollywood have dropped out of film school. Yeah, because you figure out you actually don't need to be in <laughs> right. film school to be in the business. And I started working in the business. Yeah. I didn't see myself spending the rest of my life there. The business was different hmm. uh, than... Um, but, because that was 30... Well, what was that? 29 years, yeah. almost 30 years ago. So... Uh, but if I wasn't doing this, I, you know, still be I, around I, I might, I might still be around yeah. the movies yeah. somehow because it's, nice. it's always been a pain. This may overlap. Uh, last one here with uh, some of the other questions I asked. But if you're creating a, uh, a perfect dinner party of uh, there's four other people you're inviting, an actor or actress, director, a musician, so I'll add that in there as well, and then someone from the business world, living, dead, any point of history, and then what restaurant of yours are you taking them to? Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, my dinner. Well, my, I'm going to Mason Street. There That's you go. Sure. There you go. Can't beat the steaks, right? <laughs> I would say I do think it's the best steak in town, and uh, and I think there's some people who agree with me. It's it's really good. Um, the and the best everything. I mean, all the foods. It's it's it's, yeah. it's, it's like the the, uh, the 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 Dennis Ghetto, who was the uh, restaurant reviewer for for the paper at the time. Uh, he's since passed away. His review was, my biggest problem with Mason Street is I can't decide what to eat. <laughs> Which I was like, how, how could you ask for that on the that? front door? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it, all, it all looked so good and it was so different. Yeah. Um, the, uh, so so I'm going I'm to have an actor, a director, a business person, and a musician. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, you want it to be lively? You want good conversation? You want yeah, yeah, I would... I would well... Um, so, uh, well, director, I'm going with Chris Nolan. Right. That would be my favorite director since <laughs> yeah, he's still alive. Exactly. I, want, I, I want him to, I want him to be there. Um, you know, I think that uh, you know Robert Downey Jr. could be a lot of fun yeah, at dinner party. Sure. <laughs> he seems like he could be a lot of laughs. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, 
or yeah. Jonah Hill. I mean, you can see Ooh, right there. Yeah. My, 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 because remember, I got to eat dinner with them now. now <laughs> gonna, you know, I have to think about, you know, and you can see right where my level of humor goes. And then musicians and business world. You know, I will tell you uh, that. I mean, I have musicians that I'm that I that I that I love. Uh, I'll tell you, a guy who's really an amazing guy is Wynton Marsalis, really? and a, would be a great guy at dinner. I've had dinner with him. So. I, actually, fun story. He was the commencement speaker for me at my graduation. Oh yeah. And there was this giant thunderstorm coming, so he had this beautiful speech, and partway through, he just took out middle pages, wrapped it up, and started playing because he was like, "This oh, wow. is what you guys want to hear." The speech was wonderful. I would have heard the rest of it, but he knew this storm was coming, and he just got right to the. Right he's, to the a, he's a he's brilliant incredible. musician, and he's got a really interesting perspective. Yeah, and uh, and so I and, and so I, he, he would be again if you're picking your dinner companion. Pretty solid. He, he'd be a lot of fun to have at dinner, uh, and then um, business people. I'll probably have my dad. <laughs> yeah, that's a good choice. He's always got an interesting perspective, and he's he's been a big influence, and he's been a, he's a great business person, yeah. and so uh, I'd I'd probably have him come. It's a pretty good sign that you spend all this time together, both uh, on your personal life and professional, and still want to grab dinner with him. I love that. That's a good way to end it. Thank you very much, okay. sir. What did you think of your uh, podcast here today? I was cool. All right, I'm happy to do it anytime. <laughs> good. Yeah, obviously you start wind me up, and I'll start talking. There we go. I like it. <laughs> Thank you again. It is time now for the Fox 6 pack of questions, a chance to get to know the faces and voices that you hear on Fox 6 and see on Fox 6 all the time. And we are very happy to be joined by Amanda St. Hilaire, one of our investigators. Hello. We are on your turf here because you're letting me uh, borrow your podcast studio because you guys, of course, do open record as well as the investigations. I think it's more like I'm on your turf here. This is your podcast. I still kind of feel like an imposter, but that's all right. We'll go with this. We're going to have some fun here, Amanda. You okay. started uh, a little over a year ago here at Fox 6. I did. And unlike all the other coworkers of mine that I I talk to you. You actually listen to my podcast. I am a super fan of <laughs> Definitely Milwaukee. Um, I listen to every episode and then give you and executive producer Leanne unsolicited feedback. <laughs> Which so. we love and appreciate. <laughs> it's a delight. It's just breath of fresh air. I feel like I'm learning more about Milwaukee we and go. We're all you relatively new manage here. to talk about life in general. So I always, I always end an episode feeling kind of uplifted. Well, thank you. That is far too kind. Open record, a great listen as well as I, I love kind oh, of learning plug. from journalism experts like you guys here. Uh, we're going to switch things up, like I said. So instead of asking you the questions that you already know are coming, because they've <laughs> kind of been the same for everybody. Get me off my prepared there answers. There just so happened to be six that got cut by Leanne that Ooh. she did not approve of. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to ask you the second six I like it. questions Let's wing it. don't know is coming. Let's do it. Um, but first and foremost, let me just get this out of the way. You, you've really enjoyed Milwaukee since you got here. What was it about the, the area in the station? Then we'll get into the questions. Yeah, so I had no concept of what Milwaukee was at all. Um, I grew up originally in New England and we're very much in a bubble there and don't really realize that anything exists outside of New England. So the last few years I had lived in Pennsylvania and before that I had lived in Ohio where I met my now husband and he's from Michigan and he always raved about the Midwest and being on Lake Michigan and he's just this kind of the joke with his friends. He's obsessed. So when I got the call that this opportunity was open in the investigative unit. I knew the station had a good reputation. Yeah. 
And when I came out here for the interview, it was actually, it was actually not a great first day. Um, <laughs> I, on the way to the station, I was thinking, oh no, this, this isn't going to work. Like weather-wise or like everything. Just not I had terrible motion sickness oh, no. from the flight. My flight out of Philly was delayed because there was a murder on the tarmac. Um, I had gone a very long time without eating. It was pouring rain. Uh, producer Pete picked me up from the airport and went, took just the ugliest possible way <laughs> to get to the station. And I'm thinking, oh no, oh no. But I met everyone here and was really impressed by the station. And then it was like the clouds parted, the sun came out. I actually got to see downtown Milwaukee and chorus singing. Yeah. And we were down by Bradford beach and uh, all of a sudden I was amazed at this city and I liked that it was vibrant and there was a sense of community. Um, I heard great things about the food scene and just all of that compounded and we would be closer to my husband's family. So by the end of that trip, I'm thinking, oh, I really want this job. I really want to be here. So it was kind of a a combination of things. I'm glad we were able to turn things around (laughs) for you. All right. The very first of the next questions. Yes. The coworker here that you find most interesting and why? Most interesting. Because you get to work with a number of the photographers. Of course, you guys are tucked back there in your I do. Um, I would say um, one of our photojournalists, Kale, Ah. is very interesting, if only because he has like the opposite skills that I have. Like he camps in the winter. I'm very impressed and intrigued by people with survival skills and outdoor skills because I have none. So um, he's a dog lover. So I have never owned a pet that wasn't a goldfish. (laughs) So, you know, I just I I find I find that intriguing. Uh, What is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten and uh, who gave it to you? Best piece of advice. Um, I mean, over the years, I've really turn to my parents for a lot of advice. And I think some of their life advice really applies to journalism. So, I mean, their big thing was always be kind. Like there's no reason, even when you're being tough, that you can't be kind and be empathetic. And especially as it relates to investigative journalism, I think people sometimes think, oh, we're jumping out of the bushes. We want that gotcha moment. And They've really instilled in me the values of being able to get to the truth, to have that conviction, but to do it from a place of empathy and kindness. So I I think that that advice, it's more of like a life um, mantra Mm -hmm. than it is one single piece of advice. But I think it kind of all comes back to that. Yeah, and works in life or in work Mm -hmm. for sure. All right. Uh, Why journalism for you? Why was this the career that you pursued? It just always kind of made sense. Uh, when I was 13, I think it was, um, my local newspaper offered a journalism class for free. Um, and you could just go in for six weeks and see what it was like. And I signed myself up for it, not thinking anything of it. It was a sports journalism class. I know nothing about sports. I was <laughs> extremely unqualified to be there. I was the youngest person there by a solid 20 years. And we showed up and my mom asked, do you want to stay? And I said, yeah, because I knew I liked to write and there was just something interesting about it. And I was hooked. I fortunately for everyone involved did not stay on the sports route. (laughs) Um, But as I got into news and then eventually investigations, it just I 
I'm, I'm a great tattletale. I'm an oldest <laughs> child. I have five younger brothers. I like finding out what's happening and I like telling people about it. Neat. That's a good way to describe what we do. Uh, you get to invite four guests over for dinner. Who are they going to be? And you can choose them from anywhere, let's say. Anywhere. Do, are they all? Is this like a living or dead question? Uh, or is this a current? Let's keep it to the live living. ones. Right. Four, four guests. <sighs> Man, these are tough. Maybe we should have <laughs> stuck with the ones I had uh, memorized <laughs> answers to. Four guests. Actually, you know what? I changed I change my mind. Let's do living or dead. All right. Um, I would say um, my grandmother, my dad's mom. I never got to meet her, mm. but she uh, apparently was just this incredible person, um, named my daughter after her. She's just... Um, She's kind of a, a legend in my family, so I'd love to be able to have the chance to meet her. Um, I think number two would have to be John Dickerson. Ooh, all right. Living. Um, I am a giant um, CBS Network News fan, big John Dickerson fan. I started listening to podcasts when I started listening to Political Gab Fest, so I like the political analysis cool. aspect of it. Two more. I'd like to meet Eleanor Roosevelt. All right. I think that would be that would be a really interesting dinner. But this is starting to get political now, so maybe we need to mix this up. With a wild card for spot I number know, four. No, wild card for spot number four. I'm going to say. Hmm. First person that comes to mind, you're stuck with this person. Go. Yeah, but then we keep it political, and I feel like if you're gonna have a good dinner party, you need like a variety or it turns into variety of interests. Really yeah, quick. I'm gonna say for number four, I'm gonna say David Ortiz. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's meet. So Big we poppy? so we got my grandmother, we got David Ortiz, wow. we got Eleanor Roosevelt, and we got John Dickerson. <laughs> so I feel like between the between the five of us, we'd find a lot to talk about. Love to be a fly on that wall. Yeah. That's for sure. All right, uh, last question here. What was your most embarrassing moment on live TV? Oh, okay, that's easy. Um, it was in my first television market. I was super proud of myself because I had just become the morning show reporter. And you know how that goes, yeah. where you want active, interesting, live reports. And that was right the big early. focus. So I was doing something with uh, hybrid vehicles. And I was like, yeah, for this live hit, I'm going to start inside the car and I'm going to move outside the car and walk around. It's going to be great. Um, while I was planning this, I forgot to factor in that I am a giant klutz who tends to like just trip over my own feet. <laughs> so as I'm getting out of the car on live TV, um, my cord from my earpiece caught on the side and I couldn't get out. So the camera's on one side of the car. I'm on the other side and the photographer I was working with was kind of wondering what's, what's yeah. going on. This has taken a while. I finally managed to pull myself out and just fall on my bottom <laughs> at this point I was in front of the car so you could see everything on live TV I was wearing a dress it was not it was not good <laughs> nothing about this was good this exists somewhere um, so we have that moment and then on a on a podcast of open record which you can download wherever you get your podcasts we did discuss this um, a version of this question and uh, I also, during that period of time, uh, had a very 
serious expression on my face for all stories because I was a new <laughs> reporter focused on what I was going to say. Yeah. So even on those stories that are a little lighter, like the hybrid vehicles, the camera would come to me and it looked like I was about to murder someone. So that was pretty embarrassing. So combined, combine That's those. A good story. Yeah. I, I will now become the investigator and try to find that clip of video. Uh, so a flip of the who plays you in a movie, which superhero or superheroine would you want to be or Oh, we were just talking about this in the investigative unit. I, I mean, I have a big crush on Captain America. Nice. Um, so I feel like that would be pretty awesome. I really admire... How long do we got here, Carl? <laughs> I really admire Black Widow because she doesn't have... Powers. powers. Yeah. She's just awesome. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, minus the whole, like, being, being on the bad side, that, I mean, that might be problematic for me. Um, I mean... You look at Superman and there's the whole journalism thing. So we got some layers to peel back there. So, um, I mean, Superman definitely in terms of a raw power slash journalism, I feel like would be um, a pretty good time. Finding the truth and protecting it at the same time. Yes, but also like having unstoppable powers. That would be like, let's not overlook that. (laughs) I like it. So those are your random Fox (laughs) News vacuum questions. I like it. I like like the curveballs. Throwing you a curveball and you knocked it out of the park. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Carl. That will do it for another episode of Definitely Milwaukee. Thank you for listening, and thanks again to Greg Marcus and Amanda St. Hilaire for the interesting interviews, especially for Amanda handling all those uh, different questions this week. A big thank you as well to Leanne Watson, our executive producer behind the scenes, putting this all together for us. And a reminder, if you want more Definitely Milwaukee or Open Record, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service and leave us a rating and a review. You can also download the latest episodes anytime at foxixnow.com.